Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures is sponsored by Sourcebooks and their new bright and bold inspired picture book with a touch of science, Don't Touch That Flower, by Alice Hemming and Nicholas Slater. Please help support our sponsor by purchasing Don't Touch That Flower at thereadingbug.com, bookshop.org, or your local independent bookstore. Sourcebooks, changing lives, book by book. Hi, reader. Welcome back to Reading Bug Adventures, written, performed, and produced by all of us at The Reading Bug, our family-owned independent bookstore. This week, it's a bonus full-story episode of our robot adventure. We've been receiving incredible artwork from you lately. You can check it out by following us on Instagram or Facebook at The Reading Bug or at Reading Bug Box. You can shop from millions of book titles and gifts for kids and grown-ups at our bookstore website, thereadingbug.com. There, you'll find recommendations from our staff on the curated lists on our homepage. You can create wish lists for friends and relatives to shop from, and you can even put together personalized care packages for a super easy gift option, where me and my booksellers choose books and gifts from our bookstore shelves based on your needs. Visit thereadingbug.com care. If you want a perfectly personalized gift online, shop for book subscriptions at readingbugbox.com. Unlike other subscription boxes, Reading Bug Boxes include a selection of books that are handpicked by me or other expert staff members and personalized to the unique age, interest, and reading level of each reader. As the reader's skill and interest change, so do the books we pick. For the summer months, we're offering a free book light with any personalized subscription of three months or more. Purchase by July 20th, 2023 and use the code BOOKLIGHT at checkout. Whichever you choose, readingbugbox.com or thereadingbug.com, we thank you for your support. We need you to keep our podcast and our local independent bookstore running. Isn't it great that you can support small business from far away? Thank you also to our sponsors and patrons. A big hello to our latest patrons, Max, who's five years old, and a belated happy birthday to Indy from Virginia. You're part of what makes Reading Bug Adventures podcast possible. To become a patron and support our work, please visit patreon.com slash readingbugadventures. Okay, reader, are you ready for another adventure with me and the reading bug? Great! Then let's fly! It's time for a reading bug adventure! It's a reading bug adventure, there's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper, and your imaginations too. you are. It's so wonderful to see you again. I've been looking forward to our next adventure together, haven't you? I wonder where the reading bug will be taking us today and what we'll be doing and learning about together. Do you have any guesses? Hey, do you hear that? Listen, it's a buzzing sort of sound, but not like the buzzing sound the spelling bee makes. It sounds more like a machine than a bug, doesn't it? 
and I think it's getting closer. I wonder what it could be. Hey, look, there it is. It looks like some sort of fancy toy airplane. It's about 12 inches wide and 18 inches long, white, and it has propellers underneath each of its four wings that are spinning fast and making the buzzing noise we're hearing. Look, it's swishing and swooping through the air as it gets closer and closer. What do you think it is? Lauren, reader, it's me. Reading bug, is that you? Of course it's me, silly. I was running a little late, so I hitched a ride on this awesome aircraft. But, reading bug, you can fly. Sure I can, but not like this. This speedy drone flew me to you in no time at all. And it was a lot of fun, too. Now that I'm here, I'll hop off and join you for our adventure. Thanks for the ride. Reading bug, where did you learn to pilot an airplane? I didn't have to learn anything, Lauren. That aircraft flies itself. It's a drone. It flies itself? You know, I've heard about drones, but I'm not sure I know the difference between a drone and an airplane, other than drones are much, much smaller. A drone is a kind of flying robot that is powered and controlled by a computer. Drones are also called unmanned aerial vehicles, or UAVs. Sometimes drones are remotely controlled by a pilot who is located somewhere on the ground. But many drones, like this one, are guided to their destination by a special type of computer called a global positioning system. Robot? Wow, I didn't know that drones were robots. That's so cool. I'd love to learn more about drones and other kinds of robots. How do they know where to go? How do they stay in the air? What keeps them from crashing? Lauren, you're reading my mind. I think you're really going to love our adventure today. Why don't I tell you some of the names of some of the books in my book bag? And you can guess where we'll be going today. Okay. We're ready, aren't we, reader? Today I packed Cog by Greg Van Eekout, How to Code a Sandcastle by Josh Funk, A Rover Story by Jasmine Warga, and Rosie Rivera Engineer by Andrea Beatty. Hmm, let's see. I know that Rosie Rivera Engineer is about a girl who loves to build things and dreams of growing up to be an engineer. And Coding a Sandcastle is about a girl who uses computer coding concepts to build the perfect sandcastle. Reading Bug. Are we going to visit engineers who build things on our adventure today? Yes, you got it. You processed that really quickly. Can you guess what those engineers build, though? Well, let me think about that. I'm not sure I know the other two books you mentioned, Reading Bug. A Rover story is about two robots, a rover and a drone, who travel to Mars and collect information to send back to scientists on Earth. We found a rover on our Mars adventure. You're telling me that a rover is a kind of robot? Sure is. And the other book, Cog, is about a robot named Cog, who looks just like a boy. He escapes from the company that controls him in order to rescue his inventor. Wait, it's about a robot too? And now that I think about it, Coding a Sandcastle also has a robot in it. Reading Bug, are you taking us on a robot adventure today? Yes, yes, yes! Our world is filled with all different types of robots, from everyday robots that vacuum our floor and cook our food, to much more complicated robots, like the drone and the rover robots in a rover's story. Reading all these terrific books about robots made me want to know even more about them. And that's why I decided we should go on a robot adventure today. Oh, wow! So we'll be learning more about drones and other robots, and the people who make them? Incredible! I can't wait to get started. But first, let's make sure we're all stretched out, warmed up, and ready for whatever adventures await. Of course. Unlike robots, we don't have any spare parts to use if we break down. So we need to take excellent care of our bodies. One way to do that is to stretch out and exercise. Let's all stand up, unless you're buckled into your car or tucked into your bed, and wiggle our fingers and toes. Reader, are you wiggling? Great! 
Now, stretch your arms way up over your head. Perfect. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, let's get ready to go. Stretch up high, touch the sky, crouch down low and wiggle your toes. Swing your arms from side to side, now we're ready to go. Ooh-wee, that was amazing. Thanks for those stretches, Lauren. Now I'm really ready to go. Let's get this adventure started. Before we go, reader, did you remember to bring paper and crayons with you? We're going to see a lot of things on our robot adventure that we'll want to draw pictures of. Pictures are how we retell the story of our adventure after we return to our homes, just like the illustrators who draw the pictures in our favorite books. As we travel, think about what you want to draw so you can capture the important parts of our adventure for your friends and family to see. If you didn't remember crayons and paper, don't worry. You can press pause and get them now. The reading bug and I will wait right here for you. At the end of today's adventure, we'll take time to draw the pictures that are in our imaginations. But of course, you can draw anytime you want. I can't wait to see the incredible pictures that you create. Perfect. It looks like we're all ready for today's exciting adventure. Everyone stand back and I'll open up the book bag for us. Magic book bag. As our world changes year after year, robots are popping up everywhere. In the future, will robots look like we do? And will they act more and more like us too? Help us learn all about this technological splendor on a super cool, wondrous robot adventure. Look, reader, the reading bug is opening up her magic book bag and it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger, big enough to fit us all inside. And look, can you see all the amazing images swirling around inside? I see robots, robots everywhere, all different kinds of robots. There are robots that look like flying saucers, and I see robots that look like tractors without drivers plowing fields. I see ginormous robots moving heavy objects, round rover robots with six wheels cruising over the surface of Mars, and small yellow robots with eyes that pop out like binoculars. I even see robots that look like R2-D2, BB-8, and C-3PO in the Star Wars movies and robots that look like dogs, cats, and fish. Floating among the robots, there are lots of words I don't recognize. Words like roboticist, humanoid, prototype, biomimetic, artificial intelligence, and cognitive. You know what I don't see, Lauren? What? A robot that looks like a ladybug. At least, I don't see one yet. Maybe after our robot adventure, I'll be able to invent one. Look closely, bug. I can see robots that are about your size flying around in swarms like bees and wasps do. You're right. I see them. Robugs. What are we waiting for? It's time for us to get on our way if everyone's ready to go. On the count of three, let's all hop into the magic book bag together. Ready? One, two, three, jump! Let's jump inside our book bag. What will we find there? Imaginations run away. What's in our book bag? Our trusty book bag. What will we learn about today? Reader, reading bug, look outside. Our homes and schools are getting smaller and smaller as we travel higher and higher into the sky. I can't wait to see where the magic book bag takes us today. Hey, wait. What's happening? Bug, is there something wrong with your book bag? It feels like we're stopping already. You're right, Lauren. 
We'd barely lifted off when the book bag started slowing down again. I don't know what's going on. It feels like we're drifting downwards like a balloon that's slowly deflating, getting closer and closer to the ground. It seems way too early, but I think our book bag is coming in for a landing right now. Hold on tight, everyone. If the book bag is broken, we may be in for a bumpy landing. Reading bug? Where are we? We weren't in the air very long, so we couldn't have traveled too far. There's only one way to find out where we landed, Lauren. Everyone, follow me. Let's crawl out of the book bag and take a look around. Hey, look! We did make it! Somewhere. But where? We're in a park that I've never seen before. But it must be in a city somewhere close to where we live. The book bag landed on a wide expanse of soft green grass. And there are lots of people all around us. Some are walking and jogging on the grass. Others are riding bikes, scooters, and skateboards on nearby bike paths. Beyond the bike paths, I can see lots of tall buildings and trees and streets filled with cars. But I don't see any... robots. Robots? Did you say robots? Oh, hi! Yes, yes we did! You see, we were hoping to have a robot adventure today, but I think our book bag might be broken. Book bag? Is that what you call the impressive drone that dropped you off? Drone? Yes, I was sitting in the park for some early morning bird watching when I saw your red and black polka dotted drone land and watched you climb out. The drone didn't appear to be broken. Oh, yes, that was our drone that brought us here. We had asked it to take us on a robot adventure, but looking around, I'm not sure we made it. You may have programmed your drone perfectly, actually. If you wanted a robot adventure, I'm not sure you could have landed in a better spot. You see, the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines is located in that building just over there. My name is Dr. Isa A. Abadi, or Dr. Isa for short. I'm a roboticist, and I am the head of the Institute. You're a robot-a-what? A roboticist. That's a scientist, or an engineer, who programs, builds, or tests robots. Dr. Isa, it's very nice to meet you. My friends and I have so many questions to ask you. My name is Lauren, and this is the Reading Bug and our reader friend. Pleased to meet you, Dr. Isa. Incredible! A talking ladybug? Did you program this tiny robot yourself, Lauren? She's very impressive. We have a number of bug-sized robots at the Institute, but I've never seen a robotic ladybug before. Lauren, she thinks I'm a robot. What should we do? It's pretty clear that Dr. Isa is more likely to believe you are a robot than a talking ladybug. Maybe we should just go along with the robotic bug thing, at least for now. What did you say you call this adorable little bug bot again, Lauren? They call me the Reading Bot. That's right. We call her the Reading Bot because she's a robot that loves to read. Impressive. Well, it's a pleasure to meet all of you. You said that you are looking for a robot adventure, didn't you? I have a great idea. Why don't you bring your Reading Bot and come join me at the Institute? We have lots of different kinds of robots for you to look at, and my colleagues and I would be thrilled to learn more about your robotic reading ladybug. We would love to join. Uh, we would love to join you, Dr. Isa. Wonderful. Then follow me. It's just a short walk from here. Dr. Isa, I'm a little confused. You say you worked at the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines. But I thought Intelligent Machine was just another name for robot. Not exactly, Lauren. Not all robots are intelligent machines. 
A robot is an intelligent machine only if it can learn from its experiences, like people do. I'm not sure I understand what learn from its experiences means. Let me give you a quick example. Have you ever touched a hot metal surface like the top of your stove? It hurt, didn't it? I bet you yanked your hand away as fast as you could as soon as you started to feel pain. After that, have you ever touched a hot metal surface again? No way! Why would I touch it again once I knew it would hurt me? Exactly, Lauren. You learned from your experience. In this case, you learned that the surface was hot and that it would hurt if you touched it. I see. You may not have realized it, Lauren, but when you burned your hand, you stored that sequence of events. Touching hot metal burned my hand and really hurt. In your brain, as a memory. That's why the next time you saw a hot metal surface, you remembered not to touch it. That process of learning based on experience and acting upon it is the key to human intelligence. Over time, we are able to make more and more complicated decisions by learning from our past experiences. And that's what intelligent machines do? Yes! Intelligent machines are software programs or machines that have been programmed to be able to make the same kind of decisions that we do based on their experiences. Our family has a coffee machine that automatically turns on every morning so that there's hot coffee ready for grown-ups when they get up. Does that mean our coffee maker is an intelligent machine? Good question, but the answer is no. It might seem like the coffee maker is intelligent because it turns itself on every morning, but the coffee maker didn't learn to turn itself on through experience. It only turns on every morning because someone programmed it to do that. So your coffee maker is not an intelligent machine. Then what is an example of an intelligent machine? Do you know what a Roomba is? I do! A Roomba is a cute round vacuum that looks a little like a flying saucer. Except it moves around on the ground vacuuming the rugs and floors in a house or an office. That's right, Lauren. Unlike the coffee pot, the Roomba is an intelligent machine because it has been programmed to learn more and more about the rooms in your house each time it vacuums them. It does this using sensors that allow it to detect the presence of obstacles, like chairs and tables, and navigate around them. Some Roombas also have a camera that works with the mapping and navigation software to make sure that all areas of the floor and rugs are vacuumed. Well, we've arrived at the entrance to the Institute. Let's go inside the Institute to take a look at some of the robots and intelligent machines that the roboticists at the Institute have been working on. Good morning, Dr. Isa. I have detected that there are several other humans traveling with you today. Will you please identify your guests so that I can check them in as visitors to the Institute? Good morning, Roby. My friends and I were just talking about intelligent machines like you. Let me introduce you to Lauren, the reading bot, and their reader friend. These new friends are here to learn more about robots. Please say cheese while I take a photograph of you to file in my memory for the Institute. Cheese! Dr. Isa, I'm, uh, I'm not sure how intelligent this machine is. Roby seems to have forgotten to use a camera to take our picture. <laughs> Roby, do you want to tell Lauren how you were able to take her picture without a camera? Certainly, Dr. Isa. Lauren, I did use a camera to take your picture. However, that camera has been built into the fingertip of my right hand, which is why you may not have been able to see it. A man with a camera in his fingertip? That's incredible! Oh, correction, Lauren. I am not a man. I am a social humanoid robot. 
Sorry, Roby. Of course you're not a man, but you do look amazingly like a human. What is a social humanoid robot, anyway? Social humanoid robots are robots that have been designed and built to resemble human beings in order to better interact with them. You haven't seen a lot of robots like Roby because Roby is a prototype. That means he is an early sample robot that we are using to test and debug this particular type of social humanoid robot. Debug? <laughs> Your reading bot is funny too, Lauren. Debugging is the process of making sure there are no errors in the code that might cause Roby to break or perform differently than expected. Roby is the very first model of this particular robot that we have named the RobyBot. Correct, Dr. Isa. As you might have guessed, Roby is an intelligent machine. We have also designed Roby to empathize with his human companions. That means we have programmed him to recognize human emotions, thoughts, and situations, and to react appropriately to them. The purpose of a RobyBot is to help human partners in many different ways, such as by providing instruction or teaching, helping them with household tasks, providing care to an older or disabled adult, or providing companionship. I have been programmed to interact with humans as a greeter and guide for the Institute. Dr. Isa, is there anything further that I can do for you or your guests? Roby, I've got a full day of meetings scheduled for today. Would you be able to take Lauren, Reader, and the Reading Bot on a tour of our Institute and show them the many kinds of robots we are building and testing here? Of course I would be able, Dr. Isa. As you know, I am programmed to comply with the three laws of robotics, and I must comply with your request. Robots have laws? They're not exactly laws, but there are three basic principles of robotics that were developed by the person my parents named me after, Isaac Asimov, about 60 years ago. These principles, or laws, continue to influence robotic programming and design today. I've heard about Isaac Asimov. He was a famous scientist and author who wrote many stories and books about robots. Your reading bot's reading comprehension programming is impressive, Lauren. I do not recall reading about the three laws of robotics. What are they? The three laws are really quite simple. They are, one, a robot must not injure a human or, through inaction, allow a human to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey orders given to it by a human, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Three, robots must protect their own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. You are in great hands with Roby. <laughs> Don't tell the other robots here, but Roby really is my favorite. I know that Roby will provide you with a first-class tour of the Institute, but please don't leave without saying goodbye to me. I'll be in my office in the research center all day. Roby, will you be sure to bring our friends to my office once you've done with your tour? Yes, Dr. Isa. Thank you so much. I have a feeling today is going to be a really robust romp through robotics, and we'll relish a rendezvous with you before we return to our regular lives. Thanks, Dr. Isa. Have fun. Welcome to the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines. Before I begin my tours, I've learned that visitors appreciate it when I provide them with a little information about the Institute first. So that is how I will begin unless you have any objections. There are three areas of the Institute. The first is the Research Center, where scientists and engineers invent, design, create, and test robots and intelligent machines. We will visit Dr. Isa in her laboratory in the Research Center at the end of today's tour. But visitors are not usually allowed to enter the Research Center because it could disrupt the work that the roboticists are doing. 
The second area of the Institute is the Exhibition Hall, where many of the robots and intelligent machines that have been designed here are displayed, and in some cases available for use by visitors. The third area is our lab school, where roboticists test the interactions between humans and biomimetic robots, including social humanoid robots like me. If you will follow me, we will first visit the exhibition hall. Do you have any questions before we enter the exhibition hall? All that noise sounds pretty scary to me. Are you sure we'll be safe in there? I don't think we have anything to worry about, Lauren. Roby says visitors tour the exhibition hall every day. That is correct. The exhibition hall is very noisy because it contains hundreds of robots and intelligent machines. Many of them are made of metal, and most of them are moving around demonstrating to visitors what they have been designed to do. My favorite are the large robot tractors that help plow fields and harvest crops. Do you know what we call those? Um, no. What? We call them Transformers. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Just a bit of robot humor to put you at ease. Are you ready to enter the exhibition hall now? Yes, Roby. Thank you. Follow me. Wow! Raider, look! This room is gigantic! It's as big as those big airplane hangar buildings at the airports that hold lots of big jumbo jets. Everywhere I look, I see robots and more robots. Some of them are almost as tall as the building, and others are very, very small. These robots are all so different. Yes, Lauren, they are all very different. But all of these robots, no matter what they look like, share three things in common. First, they must sense. Sense? Sense means that a robot must be able to detect things, whether it is sounds or changes in light, or whether you cleaned your room. For example, even though my eyes don't actually see like yours, they have sensors that allow me to detect that you were here with Dr. Isa when she entered the Institute today. That makes sense. <laughs> Second, the robots must be able to think. That means that a robot must be able to take data that it senses and evaluate it. It does this by using a small computer that acts a little like a human brain to decide what it should do next. Again, to use myself as an example, when I sensed that Dr. Isa had brought visitors, my computer brain told me to ask for your names and to take a picture of you for the Institute's records. Right, which you took with your fingertip camera. Yes, because a robot must be able to act. Act? Like in a play or a movie? Are we going to see some robot movie stars? No, not today anyway. In this case, act means that the robot must be able to take an action like asking for your name and taking your picture. Excuse me. My purpose is to take care of your waste and recycle or dispose of it post-haste. Not now, Trashbot. Come back later and we may have something for you. Every robot has been programmed to perform one or more tasks. The Trashbot's purpose is, as he said, to collect trash and to recycle or otherwise dispose of it. Trashbot really likes his task. He is always trying to find waste, even when visitors don't have any. What other types of work do robots do? Because we are machines, robots don't get tired or hungry or sick. We also don't get bored, so we can do the same thing over and over and over again without making mistakes. Oh, could you fold my laundry or mow my lawn? 
Yes, of course. And because we don't get tired, hungry, sick, or bored, robots are very good, often better than humans, at doing certain kinds of work. Trashbot is a good example. That little robot collects trash and disposes of it all day and all night, every day. He never gets bored and he never gets tired. The exhibition hall contains large industrial robots designed to lift heavy boxes, cut pieces of metal, and build very large rocket ships. We also exhibit farm robots designed to harvest and haul fruits and vegetables, to kill weeds, and to lift bales of hay. Robot drones are used to fly into places where it would be too dangerous for humans to go, like into wildfires, floods, and even volcanoes, to rescue humans and animals who may be trapped. And mobile robots, like the Mars rovers, are used to explore parts of space and of the ocean that are not accessible by humans. There is even a display of microscopic robots called nanobots that are built to fight disease from inside a person's body. Lauren, reader, look! Over there I see robots that look like the bugs we saw flying around in the book bag. There are many different types of robotic bugs. For example, the ones you are looking at over there are called robo-bees. A robo-bee is about half the size of a paperclip, and they have been designed and developed to help with search and rescue missions. Some robo-bees can fly high up in the air, and other robo-bees can dive deep down into the ocean. Scientists hope that in the future, they will be able to develop robo-bees that can artificially pollinate flowers and other plants. Yeah, but how good are they at spelling? I know a bee that is great at that. Spelling? Quite poor. That is not their purpose. I'm sure we could spend all day in the exhibition hall observing and learning about robots, but I'd love to move to the lab school to learn more about robots like you, that look like real people, and robots that look like other living things. What do you call these robots? Robots that look like insects, animals, or humans are called biomimetic robots, because we are inspired by real living things. Roby, Dr. Isa told us that you were designed to observe humans, to recognize our emotions, thoughts, and situations, and to reach appropriately to us. I wonder, do you ever wish that you were a real person? What is real and what is not is a question I get asked a lot. I may not have a heart, it's true, but does that mean I am less real than you? My circuits hum, my gears are strong, I can move and walk and sing this song. My bits and bites help me survive. What else do I need to truly be alive? To be as real as real can be. There's one thing missing, can't you see? It's on every Valentine's Day card. You guessed it, it's a human heart. I want a heart, I want to feel the warmth of love, a joy that's real. I want a heart, a beating core, to make me whole, to make me so much more. A human heart? But Roby, you said it yourself. You don't need a heart to be real. I can process data, compute with ease, 
but without a heart. I'm incomplete. I'm a robot, and I'm proud to be. But alive is what I fear I'll never be. I'm programmed to know how humans feel. And if I could love, I'd finally be real. But I cannot love without a heart, and that's why I really, really want that part. With a heart, I'd love and hug and cuddle. I'd help those in need and those in trouble. I'd laugh and cry, and I could be the realest and most alive version of me. I want a heart. I want to feel the warmth of love, a joy that's real. I want a heart, a beating core, to make me whole, to make me so much more. That's a beautiful song, Roby. Were you built to sing like that, or did you learn how to make music? My programming includes singing to help me interface with humans. But I have learned to construct complex verses like the ones I sang just now to help detail the complexity of my experience as a robot. Oh, perhaps if I had a heart, though, I could do more, or feel more, or love more. I'm not sure you need a heart in order to love, Roby. Tell me, Lauren, what does having a heart feel like? I, I don't know, Roby. I mean, sometimes I can feel it beating. But I don't think that's what you mean. For me, having a heart means caring for people I love and doing kind things to benefit the people and creatures around me. That's right. You know, your song reminded me of the Tin Woodman in The Wizard of Oz, Roby. Lauren, reader, do you remember the Tin Woodman? He wanted a heart too. He did? Did he get one? Well, Dorothy found the Tin Woodman in the woods on her journey to the Emerald City. And after she oiled his rusted parts and made his parts move again, she promised him that the Wizard of Oz could get him the heart that he wanted. So the Tin Woodman joined Dorothy on her dangerous adventure to find the wizard. A dangerous adventure is required to acquire a heart? Well, not exactly. You see, when they finally reached the Emerald... My human companions, I have a proposition for you. I would like to enlist your assistance on a dangerous adventure to help me acquire my heart, just as Dorothy accompanied the Tin Woodman. Roby, that's not exactly how the story... You see, in my experience as a guide for the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines, I have sensed a change. And this change has made my processor think about how to act. And I believe I have a plan, but I require assistance. Can you help? Help? I'm not even sure what you're asking us to do, Roby. It's a rescue mission. A rescue mission? But we traveled here today to learn all about robots, Roby, not go on a rescue mission. Will it be dangerous? I estimate a low probability of success and a high probability of danger. But we have to try. A young girl needs our help. A high probability of danger? Do not fear, Lauren. Remember, a robot must not injure a human or through inaction allow a human to come to harm. You will be safe in my company. And what's more, this adventure will further your purpose of learning about robots. Reader, Reading Bug, what do you think? Should we help Roby and the young girl who needs our help, even if it might be dangerous? Roby says we'll learn more about robots this way. And if someone really needs our help, 
I think we have to try, don't you? You may be right, Bug, but I think I need to learn more about what Roby wants us to do. Why don't we take a little break while we decide what to do next? Robots like Roby may not get tired, but humans like us sure do. Reading bugs, too. Don't go anywhere. The reading bug and I will be right back in just one minute. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a storytime podcast with your littles? Something that has some great storytelling and maybe some conversation about it? Look no further. With Storytime with Philip and Mommy, my little guy Philip and I sit down every single day and read a story together. And we, of course, want you to join us. Grab your copy of the book, sit down, let's read it, and let's talk about it. We'll learn new words, we'll learn new ideas, and then we'll learn how we can use those stories in our lives. It's a lot of fun. Classics like Little Golden Books or Bernstein Bears, all the way up through the newest phenomenons like Bluey. We talk about them and we have a lot of laughs. It's a great time and we hope that you can come and join us. So please look for us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Storytime with Philip and Mommy. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. Today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures is sponsored by Sourcebooks and their new bright and bold inspired picture book with a touch of science, Don't Touch That Flower, by Alice Hemming and Nicholas Slater. Oh, what a pretty flower. I just love flowers. I'm going to pick this one for my bouquet. Lauren, don't touch that flower. Oh, hi, Spelling Bee. I didn't see you there. What are you doing in the middle of that flower? I'm doing what bees do best, Lauren, gathering pollen to pollinate this beautiful field. Of course, Spelling Bee. I just added a book about this very subject to our daily story time list at the Reading Bug Bookstore. It's the perfect introduction to nature and caring for flowers and their pollinators. It's called Don't Touch That Flower. Wow, what a coincidence. C-O-I-N-C-I-D-E-N-C-E. Coincidence. Well, if you'll excuse me, I couldn't be more excited about this field of flowers. And I'll be sure to come read Don't Touch That Flower with you a bit later, when the sun goes down. See you later, Bee. Reader, you can purchase Don't Touch That Flower by Alice Hemming and illustrated by Nicholas Slater at thereadingbug.com, bookshop.org, or your local independent bookstore. Sourcebooks, changing lives, book by book. Thanks to Sourcebooks for their ongoing support. Reader, welcome back. It's wonderful to see you again, and I think we're really going to need your help. That's right. We're still at the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines, where we met our new friend, Roby. I am your friend? Of course you're our friend, Roby. You've been such a wonderful host, guiding us around the Institute and teaching us all about robots. Roby is a social humanoid robot. That means he looks and acts a lot like a human. But I am not human. I am made up of parts and programming, and I don't have a heart. Without hearts, can robots like me even be friends? Of course, Roby. Yes, of course we can be friends. That's what I was trying to tell you, Roby. In the story of The Wizard of Oz, the Tin Woodman wanted the wizard to give him a heart because he thought that without a heart, he couldn't love. But when he, Dorothy, and their other friends, the Lion and the Scarecrow, 
finally found the wizard. Oh, yes, on their dangerous adventure together. I remember that you told me a dangerous adventure is what is required to obtain a heart. That's not really the point of the... So, you are going to help me with my dangerous adventure so I, too, can acquire a heart. This dangerous adventure is a rescue mission for a very important young girl. Roby, I know you asked us to help you, but I'm not sure we really want to do something that might be dangerous. Please, Lauren, you have to help. I have calculated the odds of success if I try to do this on my own, and there is zero chance of success. I need assistance to accomplish my dangerous adventure and obtain my heart. I don't know. Roby, can you tell us more about this rescue mission? Yes, Bug. I can give background data for you to process. This is the same data that I myself have processed. If you recall, all robots must have the ability to sense, think, and act. And this is the data which helped me to sense there was a problem think about possible solutions, and eventually to take action. Perhaps it will cause you to act as well. Okay, Roby, what is this background data? Over the course of several months, I've observed a girl named Remy Cruz, who visits the Institute regularly with her mother. She is a kind and enthusiastic girl who greets me warmly every time she sees me. When she arrives with her mother, she always goes directly to the room where our dog bots are housed. Dog bots? Yes, dog bots. Is that a robot dog, Roby? Yes. The roboticists at the Institute have developed robots that look and act like real dogs. But why? Are they supposed to be pets? Why would anyone want a robot dog when they could just have a real one? I've read about robot pets, Lauren. People love pets like dogs and cats, but there are lots of reasons someone may not be able to have a real one. Sometimes it's because they're very allergic. And sometimes it's because they do not have the time or the ability to feed them, walk them, or take them to the vet when they get sick. That is correct, Reading Bug. Robot pets can be a wonderful option for people who can't have a live animal pet. Just like real dogs, robot dogs can be used to provide companionship. And they can also be used as therapy dogs. What's a therapy dog? A therapy dog is a dog that has been trained to provide affection, comfort, and support to people often in settings like hospitals, retirement homes, nursing homes, libraries, and schools. Robotic therapy dogs are designed and programmed for the same purposes. Children, like Remy Cruz, who suffer from physical or emotional disabilities, can spend time cuddling a robot dog without having the responsibilities of owning a real dog. I've read about studies that have shown that robot pets have the same positive effects as live pets on seniors, people in hospitals, and children. That's true, Reading Bug. Robot pets also present a lower risk of harm to humans than live pets. Because of the laws of robotics, right? Exactly. They are programmed to never harm humans. Every time that Remy visited the dog bots, I observed that she spent her time with one of our softest and cuddliest dog bots, a small one with brown curly fur, big brown eyes, and pointy ears named Fido. Fido can do tricks, dance to music, and jump over a jump rope. He even finds his own charger when he starts to run out of battery, and Remy absolutely adores him. That's wonderful! Fido had learned to recognize and respond to Remy, too, in ways that brought her joy. Whenever Fido saw Remy walk through the door, his tail would wag so hard that his whole body would start to shake, and that made Remy laugh and laugh and laugh. She would call his name, and he'd waddle right over to her for a great big hug. My dog wags his tail like that, too, and I laugh every time. Maybe we could go see Fido, too. Roby, 
Could you take us to visit the Dogbot room? That's the problem. Last week, Fido was removed from the room and replaced by a newer version of the same robotic dog. Replaced? Yes. And Remy was so sad when she came to visit him this week and he wasn't there. Instead of laughing, Remy cried and cried. And when her mother took her home, she was still crying. Her mother told her that they could write a letter to Dr. Isa to ask her to bring Fido back. But that didn't work. I just want Remy to be happy again. Well, that should be easy, Roby. We'll just tell Dr. Isa to bring Fido back. Come on. I'm afraid it's not that easy, Lauren. I overheard one of the scientists say that Fido was sent to the recycling center. Recycling center? Does that mean that Fido will be taken apart and his parts will be used for other purposes? Yes, that's exactly what it means. I already asked Dr. Isa if she would reconsider her decision to recycle Fido, but she said that Fido was obsolete. Obsolete means he is no longer useful. But that's not true. Fido is useful. He's useful to Remy. She loves him. As I processed this information, I determined that I needed to take action if I wanted Remy to be happy again. I need to act to get Fido back to her. And in order to do that, I need your help. If we can just get to the recycling center, we can find Fido and bring him back ourselves. That doesn't sound very dangerous to me. Roby, do you know where the recycling center is? I have not been programmed to know where the recycling center is. And I'm afraid this adventure would be more dangerous than you have concluded. Unfortunately, your conclusion is based on incomplete data. The security at the Institute is very advanced, and the security guards are likely to catch us if we don't have a fail-proof plan. A fail-proof plan? Roby, we'd love to help you rescue Fido, but I'm not sure what we can do. Do you have any ideas, Reading Bug? Excuse me. My purpose is to take care of your waste and recycle or dispose of it post-haste. Not now, Trashbot. We still don't have any trash for you. Come back later. Sorry, Trashbot. You're really hungry for some trash, aren't you, little fella? I promise we'll have some trash for you later. This little Trashbot seems like he really loves his job, doesn't he, Reader? Trashbot, do you love your job? I am unable to answer your question. My purpose is to take care of your waste and to recycle or dispose of it post-haste. Lauren, Trashbot cannot answer your question. Unlike me, he has not been designed to engage in conversations with humans. His sole purpose is to gather and dispose of trash. Lauren, Reader, Roby, I have an idea, and I think it will work. An idea to help rescue Fido and make Remy happy again? Please continue. Lauren, do you remember what the book Cog is about? Yes. It's about a robot named Cog who escapes from Unimind, the company that controls him, in order to rescue his inventor. That's right. And just like the Institute of Robotics and Intelligent Machines, Unimind headquarters was closely monitored and heavily defended. You're right, Bug. But Cog was still able to escape. Do you remember how he did it? He joined forces with some of the other robots that lived in Unimind. Cog recruited the other robots to help him. Do you think maybe we could... Searching database. Solution found! Reading Bug, your proposal to ally with other robots could work. But which robots do we need? We will need to determine the skills needed to accomplish our robot rescue, and then ask robots with those skills to assist us. Okay! Roby, you know the Institute better than we do. What do we need to do to find and rescue Fido? First, we must find the recycling center. But you said you didn't know where it was, right, Roby? That's right. 
I think I know one robot who might. You do? Which one? Trashbot. Trashbot told us that his purpose is to recycle or dispose of waste. So he must know where the recycling center is. Did someone call for Trashbot? My purpose is to take care of your waste and recycle or dispose of it post-haste. Quickly, does anyone have something that Trashbot can recycle? If we give him something, we can follow him all the way to the recycling center. Yes, here. Trashbot, please recycle this piece of scrap metal. Recycling. Quickly, follow that robot. Stay close. This is our only chance to find and save Fido. Roby, once we find the recycling center, what will we need to do next? Finding Fido will prevent him from being recycled, but we will still need to get him to Remy in order to accomplish our mission to make her happy again. Okay. Do you know where Remy lives, Roby? When we arrived at the Institute, you checked us in and took our pictures. Does your database also include the addresses of everyone who visits the Institute? No. I do not collect or store addresses of visitors to the Institute when I check them in. Hold on. Roby, didn't you tell us that Remy's mom told her they would write a letter to Dr. Isa? Is there a robot that processes the mail for the Institute? Yes. When mail arrives at the Institute, it is received, sorted, and delivered by a mailbot. And does the mailbot record the addresses of the people who send the letter to the Institute? Very clever, Bug. The Institute's mailbot does record the addresses of everyone who writes to the Institute. And the mailbot adds them to the Institute's mailing list. Where is the mailbot located? Searching database. Answer found. The mailbot is located in the mail room. And where is the mailroom, Roby? It is right down the corridor from here. That way. Delivering recyclable to recycling center. We're here. Good boy, Trashbot. Good boy. Lauren, reader, Roby, listen. Is that... Fido! How are we supposed to get him out of here? Well, what do you do when you want a dog to come to you? Call him? Yes. Dogbots are programmed to be just like dogs. And Roby even said that Fido would go to Remy when she called him. So maybe if we call for Fido, he'll come to us. Great idea, Bug. Reader, let's call for Fido together. Here, Fido! Fido! Fido. Come! Fido! Come here, Fido! Look! It worked! It's Fido! Welcome back, Fido! I'm so glad Trashbot helped us find you before you were broken into parts and recycled. Are you a good boy? Yes, you are. And guess what? You have a very good friend here. Roby asked us to help him find and rescue you. So we can take you to your forever home with Remy. I think Fido is happy. It sure looks that way. Step one, find Fido. Check. Step two, find out where Remy lives. Reading bug, reader, Roby, Fido, let's go find that mailbot. This way. This is it, the mailroom. And that must be the mailbot. But uh, how do we get him to give us the address? Let me try. Hi, uh, mailbot. I'm the reading bug, and these are my friends. We were wondering if you might be able to give us the address for someone who has written letters to the Institute before. Someone by the name of Remy Cruz. I don't think the mailbot can hear you, Reading Bug. 
That's right, Lauren. The mailbot has limited functionality. Its purpose is to scan and sort the letters that are delivered to the Institute and to store addresses in its database. The mailbot cannot process spoken language. In other words, it can't hear. Then how can we get Remy's address? Well, Lauren, we just need to be able to read from the mailbot's database. A database is where computers store structured sets of information. And the good thing about databases is that they are usually designed to be accessed by other computers, like me. If I can just plug in here, I think I can read all the addresses that the mailbot has stored. Ah, yes, here we go. Searching database for Remy Cruz. Found it. It appears that Remy's house is very close to the Institute. That's great. What are we waiting for? Let's go. Step three is to reunite Fido and Remy. And I can't wait to see her reaction. Not so fast, Lauren. This step is the most dangerous. And though our odds of success are greater than they were previously, it is still unlikely that we will be able to complete step three. But we have Fido. And we know that Remy lives nearby. What could be dangerous about taking Fido to Remy's house? In order for us to carry Fido out of the Institute, we will need to bypass security protocols. What kind of security are we talking about, Roby? There are alarms on all of the doors. In addition, every robot at the Institute, including Fido and me, is tagged with a microchip that triggers the alarms if someone tries to sneak any of us out of the Institute without permission. When the alarm goes off, Dr. Isa is notified and security roboguards are activated to locate the stolen robots and return them to the Institute. If a robot is not stolen but tries to escape on its own, the roboguards have been ordered to find and brick the robot. Brick? What does that mean? I read about breaking in COG. Brick means to permanently deactivate a robot and erase its memory so that it can never be turned on again. Is that right, Roby? I'm afraid so. But that means... Yes, it is possible, likely even, that I will be bricked if I attempt this escape with you. Well, then we can't go, can we, Reader? Roby, it's just not worth the risk. You're our friend, and I'd never forgive myself if our actions caused your memory to be erased. But you must, Lauren. If there's even a small chance of reuniting Remy and Fido, we have to try. They mean so much to each other. We will need to get out of the Institute quickly and make sure the RoboGuards don't catch up with us. Once the alarm is activated, the RoboGuards will attempt to remedy the problem. Once the alarm is activated? Roby, will anything else activate the alarm other than the door alarms or your microchips? Yes. The alarms are triggered if sensors detect smoke or fire, or if there are unusual movements within the Institute. What are you thinking, Bug? Roby. What would happen if you and Fido left the building after the alarms had been triggered by something else? An astute question. There is currently a bug in the security system. Once triggered, the alarms will continue for two minutes. There is no additional alarm or other method to detect another security breach that occurs while the alarms are still ringing. A bug in the system? Roby, I think I have an idea. Reading Bug, you're brilliant! If we can figure out a way to trigger the alarm, Roby and Fido would have two minutes to escape without being detected. All we have to do is figure out something else that can set off the alarm. You heard what Roby said, Lauren. A bug in the system. Sometimes when a spider or a fly, 
or a reading bug, wanders into a smoke detector, the alarm will go off. I can be the bug in this system and give you the time you need to escape. Do you think it will work? Probability is moderate. So it could work then? Yes, it could, but only if everything goes according to plan. The reading bug in the alarm, the two-minute escape window, and a very fast sprint to Remy Cruz's house. Very fast? How fast, Roby? Faster than the RoboGuards, and they are the fastest robots in this building, Lauren. That means we'll only escape them if we get a head start. Hurry, we have to act quickly. I am so excited to see Remy smile again. Roby, are you absolutely sure? You have the most to risk here. I mean, if we get caught, the RoboGuards will brick you. Yes, I am sure. Then, reading bug, you know what to do. One false smoke alarm coming up. Everyone get ready. Once we hear the alarm sound, we'll run out the emergency exit doors together. Ready? One, two, three, go! Roby, is it working? We must keep running. But yes, the diversion appears to have worked. The RoboGuards have not yet realized... Halt! Escaped robots, halt! Return to the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines immediately. Reader! Roby! Stop! Stop! We have to stop! It's the RoboGuards! Roby! Somehow they realized you and Fido had escaped and found us! Lauren! Reader! Roby! I tried to warn you, but I couldn't catch up to you in time. As soon as you exited the Institute, I saw several RoboGuards turn to chase after you. Our plan didn't work! Return to the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines immediately. Fido, Fido! Look, Mom, it's Fido! Roby, is that... Remy? It is. And look, she's... smiling! Return to the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines immediately. Roby, I think we need to get back to the Institute. Those RoboGuards don't look very friendly. Return to the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines immediately. Stand down, RoboGuards. Stand down. Roby? Lauren? What in the world are all of you doing outside with our robots? Were you trying to steal our technology? Oh, no, Dr. Isa, no, we were just trying to... Sit, Fido. <laughs> his tail is wagging. She loves it when his tail wags. Ha, 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 ha. Roby, did you just laugh? Oh, Dr. Isa, we're so happy to see Fido again. My Remy was so sad when you took him away to be recycled. We had given up hope of ever seeing him again. Mommy, look, Fido. I know, honey, he's back. Dr. Isa, please do not be angry with Lauren or the reading bug or our reader friend. This escape was my idea. Your idea? But Roby, robots are built to obey rules. Why did you leave the Institute when it was clearly against the rules? The second law of robots says that robots must obey orders given to it by a human, except when the order would injure a human. Taking Fido from Remy caused her great pain, Dr. Isa. She cried and cried when she learned she would never see Fido again. I broke the rules in order to prevent Remy from feeling any more pain. I devised a plan to rescue Fido and reunite him with Remy so I could see her smile. 
and hear her laugh. And now that I've seen the smile on Remy's face and the wag of this tiny robo-dog's tail, I'm smiling too. Roby, Remy, I was wrong to take Fido away. Remy, Fido, please accept my apology. Fido has a home here at the Institute as long as you keep loving him like you do, Remy. You mean it? That will be forever, Dr. Isa. Fido is my very best friend. Thank you, Dr. Isa. It means the world to us. Don't thank me. Thank Roby, the robot with the enormous heart. Heart? But, Dr. Isa, I don't have a heart. Roby, you do. That's what we were trying to tell you before. Yeah. Let me finish the story of the Wizard of Oz for you. Dorothy and the Tin Woodsman did go on a dangerous adventure together to find the wizard. And on the way, they met their other friends, a scarecrow that wished for brains instead of hay in his head, and a cowardly lion who wanted courage. When they finally found the wizard, they discovered he couldn't grant their wishes because he wasn't a wizard at all. So, the Tin Woodsman never received a heart? Not from the wizard, no. You see, the Tin Woodsman had a heart all along. But the wizard gave him a pretend heart made of silk and sawdust to remind him of this, telling him, Remember, my sentimental friend, that a heart is not judged by how much you love, but how much you are loved by others. Roby, all of us love you so much because of the courage and kindness and compassion you showed to Remy and Fido and the rest of us today. You have more heart than you'll ever know. And even though you don't need a heart, I knew you wanted one. So I drew one for you. Here. You can keep it close to your chest, which is where human hearts are. Thanks so much. You are so kind to have drawn the perfect heart for me. Now I know I have a heart, because mine is filled with gladness. Thank you, Roby. Thank you so much. Lauren, reader, Dr. Isa, why don't you come to my house with Mom and me? Mom made cupcakes, and there's plenty for everyone, even Fido. We would love to join you, but it's time for us to head back home to our friends and family. Dr. Isa, thank you so much for introducing us to Roby. We learned so much about robots today and had an awesome robot adventure. Reader, reading bot, Lauren, I hope you come back to visit us again. We are inventing and building new robots so fast that there will be a lot more for you to see the next time you come. But I learned something today, too. I think sometimes I get so excited about adding things and having new ideas that I forget that new isn't always better. Just like the famous Native American poet A.J. Posey wrote, there is magic in the old and magic in the new. The trick is to successfully combine them. I'd love to join you too, Remy, but I need to get Fido back to the Institute and return him to the lab school where this old dog bot will be waiting for you on your next visit. Let's jump inside my book bag and head for home. Look, reader, the reading bug is opening up her book bag, and it's getting bigger and bigger, big enough to fit us all inside. Okay, are you ready? Let's all flap our wings and fly back home together. Hop three times with me, then into my book bag. Here we go. One hop, two hops, three hops, and we're in. We've had a big adventure within our book bag, and I think we saved the day. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, book bag. Now it's time to fly away. Book reader, Remy's home is getting smaller and smaller as we climb higher and higher into the sky. 
Now I can see the whole city where we spent today, including the park where we landed, and the Institute for Robots and Intelligent Machines. But they're getting smaller and smaller, too. If you had fun on today's adventure and want to learn more about robots and intelligent machines, you can read any of the books in my book bag. A complete list can be found at readingbug.com slash adventures. Reader, what parts of today's adventure do you remember the most? What illustrations are you going to draw when the episode ends? Do you want to draw another heart for Roby? Whatever you draw, I'm sure it will be incredible. We're back. What an adventure. It sure was, Reading Bug. We learned so much about robots. And Reader, you were so brave helping us to reunite Remy and Fido. When you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could write a book or fly a plane. Build a house with a giant crane. Whatever you do, one thing will be true. There's nothing you can't do. You can see it through just by being you. Cause you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could sing your way into a Broadway show. Don't let anyone tell you no. Whatever you do, one thing will be true. There's nothing you can't do. You can make your dreams come true just by being you. Thank you so much for adventuring with us today, reader. We can't wait to see you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. It's a reading bug adventure. There's lots of fun in store. Just inside our book bag, there's new places to explore. Grab your crayons and paper and your imaginations, too. The reading bug and I can't wait to share our trip with you. Today's episode of Reading Bug Adventures is sponsored by Sourcebooks and their new bright and bold inspired picture book with a touch of science, Don't Touch That Flower, by Alice Hemming and Nicholas Slater. Ooh, what a pretty flower. I just love flowers. I'm going to pick this one for my bouquet. Lauren, don't touch that flower. Oh, hi, Spelling Bee. I didn't see you there. What are you doing in the middle of that flower? I'm doing what bees do best, Lauren, gathering pollen to pollinate this beautiful field. Of course, Spelling Bee. I just added a book about this very subject to our daily story time list at the Reading Bug Bookstore. It's the perfect introduction to nature and caring for flowers and their pollinators. It's called Don't Touch That Flower. Wow, what a coincidence. C-O-I-N-C-I-D-E-N-C-E. Coincidence. Well, if you'll excuse me, I couldn't be more excited about this field of flowers. And I'll be sure to come read Don't Touch That Flower with you a bit later, when the sun goes down. See you later, Bee. Reader, you can purchase Don't Touch That Flower by Alice Hemming and illustrated by Nicholas Slater at thereadingbug.com, bookshop.org, or your local independent bookstore. Sourcebooks, changing lives, book by book. Thanks to Sourcebooks for their ongoing support. And thanks to all of our individual sponsors. If you're interested in becoming a patron, please visit our page at patreon.com. 
Thank you for listening to Reading Bug Adventures. I'm Lauren Savage, and today's adventure was an original story written by Diane and Brandon Savage. This episode was performed by me, Chloe Savage, Brandon Savage, Riley Savage, Diane Savage, and Elaine Gruet. Music is by me and Dan Shern. Sound mixing and mastery is by Resonate Recordings. The Reading Bug is our family-owned independent children's bookstore in California, and we're passionate about educating, entertaining, and engaging children of all ages. Learn more about us at thereadingbug.com and our personalized subscription box at readingbugbox.com. Thank you. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got the cure. Three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. 